As we celebrate New Year's Day, I am reminded of the words that the Lord gave to Moses to speak to the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 12. You do not have to turn there. They were still in Egypt. They'd been there for over 400 years, most of that time as slaves. They had seen God begin to do a great work as Moses came back and those plagues began to fall. The final plague, the death of the firstborn, was only a day or, or, or several days away. And God was about to give them the deliverance that they had hoped and waited and prayed for for centuries. Generations of their people had lived and died holding on to the promise of God that he was going to set them free. And this was the generation that was going to see that. And the Bible says these words in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 1. The Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. And from that point on, God began to explain the, the things that were about to happen. The implication of those words in that text tells us that God was teaching Moses, today is a new day. This will be different than any other day in your life. Today is a new start. Forget about the last 400 years of slavery. Everything is about to change today. It's a new beginning. It is a new journey on which you are about to embark on this incredible series of discoveries about the person and the power of the Lord our God. He said this month, this day is the beginning of all of that. I'm not sure about you, but I love and enjoy new things, a new suit, a new tie, a new car. Uh, most people do, uh, 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 you know, a new tie, a new baby comes along and there's just something about it being new and we enjoy that and we sort of cherish it. We, we tend to show it off. We tend to take very, very good care of it when it is new. As I'm looking through the Bible in preparation for the new year, 2023, I think it's awesome it all starts on a Sunday this year. Doesn't happen very often, but you started out in the house of the Lord. You started out right. You started out in the right place, by the way, with the right people, with the right book in your hand. Uh, and and uh, you don't get a much better start than that. But as I look through the Bible, I find the word new appears over and over and over again. Many of those times, it is referring to something God does for his people, that God has for his people. My heart is somewhat overflowing because I, I found a really, really long list, and I would love to be able to stand here and preach to you uh, uh, about all of them, but you would be door-dashing dinner before I finish that list. Uh, let's just put it this way. God has so much in store for you that, that if you understood it, you would say with David, my cup runneth over. God's not a miser. God doesn't have a, a, a dropper in his hand uh, doling out blessings one drop at a time. Uh, he wants to pour out a blessing on us that we just don't even have room to receive that. But I'm going to tailor the message to the time just a little bit. Uh, uh, about, it's just entitled, A New Year for a New You. A New Year for a New You. In our text this morning, it is a psalm of David. 
Would you understand that he is called in Psalm uh, 2 Samuel 23, verse 1, the sweet psalmist of Israel. Music was his life. When he first steps on the pages of Scripture as a young man, he is anointed in Bethlehem, and then he kind of just goes into the shadows for a while until Saul is troubled by an evil spirit. He's walked away from God, and God's walked away from him, and in the interim, he's a miserable man. And his servants just saw him flying into rages and going into deep, dark depression. And they said, we need to seek out someone that can sing. Get somebody that is a skillful player on the harp to come and play before him and sing. Can you understand, since it was a harp, it wasn't Def Leppard and Led Zeppelin. Uh, and it wasn't that kind of garbage stuff. If you've ever heard a harp, I don't think it's even possible to do that with a harp. Um, one of the soldiers said, hey, I know a man. He lives in Bethlehem. He's a young man. Uh, he's a skillful player on the harp. And David steps onto the pages of Scripture. His first act of service was music, singing songs to a troubled king. And the Bible says as he sang and as he played, the evil spirit departed from Saul and the Spirit of God began to move in his heart and he was calmed and his mind was settled. David was a man of music. But David tells us in this particular psalm that he's coming out of a rough time. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. Waited patiently means that this dark, difficult time in his life was a long one. I waited patiently. If I have a problem and God solves it immediately, I don't have to wait patiently. The truth is, I don't have to wait at all. When I have to wait means it's, it's taking a long time to get this done. Um, I often wait, but I can't always say that I wait patiently. David said, I waited patiently to the Lord. It was such a difficult time. He said he inclined unto me. God, God just turned, kind of ignored everybody else for a moment and just looked and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry. David wasn't just talking to the Lord. I do that often. I do that every day. I did that this morning. Now, David was crying. David was crying out. David was lifting up his voice, whether others were around or not, we do not know. But here you have this man in a difficult place that he's been for such a long time, and he is crying out to God. The tears are flowing down his face. His heart is broken and stressed and, and wondering when God is going to step in, when God is going to change things, when God is going to deliver him. He said, I waited patiently like that, and I'm crying unto the Lord. David said many times in the Psalms, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been there? I'm sure that I'm sure that you have. And so David is coming from such a place. He said, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Miry clay is so slippery you can't get a foothold or a handhold. He's in some type of a pit is what he describes it. He uses the word horrible pit. 
And as he tried to get himself out, he found out that the sides were covered with this mire, this slime, and there was no way of extricating himself from it. He was stuck. And no matter how he tried, he just seemed to frustrate himself that made the horror of that situation more. It doesn't mean David actually actually fell into a, a well or, or a pit somewhere. He's describing whatever his circumstance was. He said, it was a horrible pit. And I was there for such a long time. And I cried unto the Lord and I wept and I, I cried and lifted up my voice before God. And God brought me out of that place. God heard my cry. There's nothing so heartwarming and so humbling is when you know God heard you from the pit. And all of a sudden you feel the touch of his hand. For there is no place where the Lord cannot go. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. You'll never find yourself in, in an extremity that is beyond the help and the hope of Almighty God. David said, after all that time, all those tears, all those long nights, all that ache in my heart, all that stress and all that worry and all that fear, all of a sudden I felt the hand of God and God did for me what I tried and tried to do for myself but couldn't. He brought me up also out of that horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and then he set my feet upon a rock. Rock means I'm up high. He, he exalted me. He put me in a place I never dreamed of when I was down in the pit, and he established my going. Down in the pit, I was stalled. Down in the pit, I couldn't go forward or backward. I was just, I was stuck in that awful, awful place. God gave me a new place to stand. God gave me a new place to start. He established my goings. Look what he says now in verse three. And he hath put a what, church? A new song. This is the sweet psalmist of Israel, a man that wrote the 23rd Psalm. A man that wrote so many of the wonderful verses in the book of Psalms that we sing today. A man whose first steps under the pages of scripture was singing for a troubled king. This man is used to singing for the Lord. Uh, David said that God's statutes had been his songs in the night from the time he was a shepherd boy. He sang to God. He sang about God. And he wrote those songs down and we have some of them today. We just sang one of David's songs. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good this man whose life had been filled with this music from almighty God said because of what God did for me he didn't stop there he put yet a brand new song in my heart he hath put a new song in my mouth even praise unto our God many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord beloved I submit to you in 2023 that no matter what the past year has been for you or for us that we look to the Lord our God and ask him to put a brand new song in our mouth, even praise unto our God. Did you know that this theme of a new song in the hearts of believers is not just found in one verse in Psalm 40 in verse 3? Turn back a page or so, Psalm 33. Psalm 33. Look, if you would, please to verse number three. Can you read it with me? Psalm 33, verse three. Here we go. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Sing unto him a new song. There it is, is again, Psalm 96. I'm gonna make you work just a little bit. Psalm 96. Verse number one. 
I want you to read verses one and two out loud with me today. Ready? Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. I don't know about you, but God's been awful good to me. Carla's song didn't even begin to sum up the goodness of God that I've enjoyed just in the last week, let alone in the last 65 years of life and 50 of those years being a child of God. God's been mighty good to me. My wife made me understand the phrase, God is always good, and he truly has been, and he truly continues to be. And over these years, I've had many reasons to lift up my voice in praise to God. There have been many times we've sung Psalm 107.1 in our services, and as I'm singing it, I'm thinking of the most recent blessing and the most recent answer to prayer and the most recent victory that God's given. And as I sing, even as it happened this morning, tears were coming to my eyes and to catch in my voice and I'm I'm afraid I'm going off tune because I'm just kind of getting emotional about things but I'm singing about the goodness of God Uh, the Bible says don't just sing the same old song I mean that's a good song to sing sing and praise under a God sing a new song that means you need to let God do a new work in your life you need to be yielded to God today stop just singing about the past That's fine and that's dandy, but if your praise to God is all about something that happened a year ago or five years ago and you have nothing recent, you need to ask God to give you a reason to have a new song in your heart. Sing unto the Lord a new song, Psalm Psalm 98. You doing okay? Look at verse 1. I want you to read with me. Here we go. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done what? Marvelous things, his right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. Uh, I'm a left-handed guy. Most people are right-handed. Most people are right-handed. The rest of us are just awesome. Uh, but, but the right hand in the Bible was the symbol of power. That's generally your dominant side. Uh, and the Bible says his right hand and his holy arm. Now you think about, uh, I, I see guys at the gym all the time in front of the mirrors, you know, flexing their muscles. I'm not really flexing them. It, it's a nice suit. I don't want to rip it apart when, when that happens like the hall. But I'll see them in front of the mirrors and they're, they're just oogling all over themselves, uh, checking their muscles. Uh, they ought to just give it up. Can you imagine what it looks like when God flexes his arm? David said, sing unto the Lord. He uh, Sing unto the Lord a new song because he's done marvelous things. He just flexed an arm and bam, it was done. That's our God. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 144. I told you this happens more and more in the scripture. We just don't realize that they're supposed to be not, a, not just the old song. Thank God for the, the, the days gone by. Thank God for the day I got saved and I should never stop singing about that. Thank God for the day God's done various works in my life and I ought not stop singing about it, but my praise ought not be limited to the past. Amen. I ought to have a new work in my heart that causes a new song. Are you ready? Psalm 144, verse number nine. And you're doing great. Let's read it together. Here we go. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon a psaltery and an instrument of 10 strings. I will sing praises unto thee. By the way, who wrote that psalm? David. So we got a new psalm in Psalm 40 out of the horrible pit. There's none of that 
evidence of a horrible pit in miry clay in Psalm 144. Here's the same author singing yet another new song unto the Lord. Psalm 149. Psalm 149. Verse number one. Are you ready? Read with me. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. I ought to sing in private and I ought to sing in public and it ought to be a new song. There ought to be something in my heart that every time we sing, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, my mind is thinking, I'm not just thankful for what he did the last time I sang it, but in between that time and today, he's done something else and I've got another reason to sing that song and for that song to come from my heart and and we ought to just do that together, sing it like that in the congregation of the saints. You don't have to turn here. Isaiah 42, 10. The prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years after David, said, Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise from the end of the earth. Revelation chapter 5 that was written uh, 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 1,500 years after David, speaking of an event 2,000 plus years in the future as John gets a glimpse into heaven after the rapture and he says, and they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. That new song is just a perpetual song, isn't it? as eternity unfolds we're just going to learn more and more about the goodness of God and the power of God and the wisdom of God and the majesty of God and it's like every time we turn around we're just adding a new verse to that song Uh, we sing like four verses of amazing grace did you know there were about eight or nine of them I have no idea why they decided to take them out of our songbook, but there's so much about the grace of God. How do you limit that to four or five verses of a little song? We ought to get a songbook with all of them. I'm giving you your homework, big guy. A new song, a new song. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. I want you to go back to Psalm 40. I want you to consider something about that new song, the importance of that. It's not just about you giving honor and glory to God. It's about about testimony. Psalm 40, verse 3. Can you read it with me? You're doing great with that. It keeps you awake, keeps me awake. We're good. Here we go. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. We live in a world of griping and complaining. We live in a world of anger and protest. It's everywhere. You see it at the store, you see it on the highway, you see it everywhere you go. Sometimes, sadly, you even see it in the house of God. We all have problems. Is anybody here, anybody here that does not have a problem? At least one. Anybody here that does not have a problem? Please raise your hand high. I need you to sign my Bible because that means you're so far above me. We've all got them. And we're all dealing with a lot of things. We're dealing with things on a personal level. We're dealing with things on a collective level. Inflation's hitting us all. The price at the pumps is hitting us all. We're looking at things in Washington. We're all scratching our head. We're all concerned. We're all stressed. We're all worried. And we're all very vocal about those things. Nobody is drawn to Christ by our complaining. Nobody. Because you see, That makes us just like every lost person in the world. Nobody's drawn to Christ. David said, 
you put a new song in my mouth, and that song is even praise unto our God. So I'm going to be singing. I'm going to be lifting up my voice. The joy of that truth and what you've done for me is going to be written all over my face. He never said it's going to be a, 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 a melodious song or a well-sung song. He said it's just a new song. It's praise. God just said, make a joyful noise to the Lord. He didn't say, only those of you that can carry a tune. I realize some of you couldn't carry a tune if you had a dump truck. But God said, that doesn't matter. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Nobody's accepted uh, uh, from that. David said, God's put such a new song in my mouth. He brought me out of that horrible pit. I never thought I'd see the light of day. I cried and I wept. I waited patiently and all of a sudden one day there was God. There was his touch. There was his hand. He brought me out of that horrible pit and set me on a rock. Uh, I got a new place to stand. He established my going. I got a brand new start in my life and I'm singing about that. And he said, and as I do, many shall see it. See what? See, a man standing there praising Almighty God in a world of anger and stress and worry and despair and fear and frustration. Many shall see it. You know what's going to happen? They shall fear. They shall fear and trust in the Lord. They're going to listen to your song, your new song of what God just did for you and there's going to be something, not in all of them. He didn't say they're all going to do this. He said, but many of them, they're going to see what God did for you. And there's going to be something that I want to see God do that for me too. Yeah. Oh God, you help Brother Bailey. Can you help me? God, you help Pastor Bish. Can you help me? God, you answered Brother Rob's prayer. Can you answer mine? Yeah. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust the Lord. Let me say it again. Nobody, nobody is going to be led to Christ because of our complaining and our criticizing and our angst and all that other stuff. If anything, they're turned off by that because we ain't any different than the people out in the world. But they're going to be, they're going to be pointed to the Savior. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 16. I have a feeling I'm getting to one point in my sermon today instead of the three I planned out of the long list. But I'm okay with that. Because this is a good one. And this is one I need. Because it's not natural for me to sing. My nature is to complain. My nature is to whine. My nature is to be stressed. I need God to do something in my life. I need God to put a new song in my mouth. I desperately want 2023 to be the year that my faith shines through my song better than it's ever done. Why? Because there's people that need my God. They need the Lord. In Acts chapter 16, we're studying this on Wednesday nights. Paul and Silas have gotten in trouble for preaching the gospel. Acts chapter 16, look at verse 22. The multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. I'm in Acts 16, verse 22. Their clothes are being ripped off. I mean, ripped off. They don't care about the buttons, the zipper, the seams. They are ripping their garments from them. And the Bible says then he commanded to beat them. 
I read some research on this particular event, but in those days, generally the jailer in these type of situations was a retired Roman soldier. They tended not to put out their retirees to pasture. They pasture. They found another way for them to serve. More than likely, the jailer that we're going to read about is a retired Roman soldier. He is a man used to battle. He is a big man. He is a powerful man. He is a man who has been trained to kill. That's his. That's his life. That's his mentality. Mercy and kindness is not a part of the fabric of this man's being. The magistrates in these particular situations that, that, um, that inflicted these kind of judgments upon people found guilty of crimes were, were tended in those days to carry with them a bundle of cane or long heavy reeds like bamboo poles. They have a bundle of them and tied up in the middle of it would be a long-handled axe. The axe was generally symbolic, saying that we have the authority of the Roman Empire to end life if we choose to do so. But the bundle of Cain said, we stand at the ready if anyone steps out of line to deal with you. When Paul and Silas were beat, the word magistrate there refers to one of those guys. We know it was not the axe. It was most likely that they were caned. Caning is still used in the Middle East today, and there are videos out there. It's a horrendous punishment. It is, it is something beyond anything we understand in our culture. That's what they did to Paul and Silas for loving God. That's what they did to them for winning people to Christ and telling people about a hope that is eternal in the heavens. These weren't lawbreakers, rule breakers. These, these weren't people with bad attitudes. These weren't people that were, were, were in drunken rages and, and stealing and, and terrorizing the community. They were sharing the love of Christ. Boy, and the enemies of Christ didn't take that too well. And the Bible says they commanded to beat them. Roman history tells us that many times these beatings could be so severe that just the caning ended the victim's life. That's what happened to Paul and Silas. And verse 23, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, remember the clothes are ripped off of them. I, I don't mean to be inappropriate. It may be that publicly they were completely naked, shamed, and beat over every part of their exposed body. The Bible says when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison. That means they literally threw them. They shoved them with all of their might. The Bible says charging the jailer, that Roman soldier, to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, notice his ferocity, thrust them into the inner prison. There's no gentleness in this man. Remember, mercy is not a part of the fabric of his being. In his mind, these men have been accused of standing against the might of Rome, and this man has given his entire life to defending the majesty of Rome. He's so offended at these guys, he thrust them into the inner prison. They are in the most secure place this prison has to offer, made their feet fast in the stocks. And here it is, you know, you know the verse. I want you to read it with me, though. Verse 25, 
Acts 16, ready? And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Midnight. It's been a long day. It's been a longer night. Did you ever have one of those? They're in pain. They are suffering. They've been humiliated. They've been falsely accused. There was nobody, not one person, it appears, stood up into their defense. Even some of their recent converts appear to have remained silent. The only friend they have in that prison is their God. What a friend we have in Jesus. And the Bible says at midnight they prayed. How many of you would have been doing the same thing? I'd have been praying. I'd have been asking God why. I would have been asking God to help the pain stop. I'm in a little bit of pain this morning compared to them. And I've been asking God since I woke up, can you please just turn down the dial just a little bit? I don't understand their pain. I don't understand the physical harshness of, of their reality. They prayed. Any one of us would do that, but here's what they did that most of us wouldn't. They sang praises unto God. Well, what do I got to praise God about? You're saved. Amen. That's something to praise Amen. God about. Doesn't matter what they do to you down here. You're going to go to heaven someday where they can't touch you. You're going to go to a place where people don't get caned. You're going to go to a place where people don't bleed. You're going to go to a place where there isn't any bruising. There's no sin. There's no wrong. It's, it's justice. It's peace. It's God forever and ever. That's one reason why to praise God. The Bible didn't say they just sang praise. They sang praises. Meaning, Brother Rob, they found more than one thing to thank God for. Maybe they're looking back and saying, man, we got Cain, but that girl got the devil out of her. That girl got saved. She's going to heaven forever and ever. A little bit of caning. Man, it doesn't even compare to the glory of seeing that girl in heaven forever. They sang praises. Again, that's where we would differ from Paul and Silas. But you see, they were so in tune with God. They were heeding the, that repeated command in the scriptures, sing unto the Lord. What kind of song? A new song. Sing unto the Lord. What kind of song? A new song. Even praise unto our God. And Paul looked over at Silas and said, time to sing. Time to sing. Remember David said, he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall what? Trust in the Lord. The Bible says the prisoners heard them. You understand that they'd have been complaining, the prisoners would have heard them. If they'd have been cussing, the prisoners would have heard them. They'd have been whining, claiming their rights, the prisoners would have heard them. The prisoners hear us, no matter what we're saying. Amen. Those prisoners were astounded because these two guys were like anybody else had ever met. They all knew what had happened to them. They heard the commotion. Some of them saw them as they were being dragged through that prison with their bodies a bloodied mess. Somebody saw the anger and the screaming and the, 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 the wrath of the crowd. They saw that jailer throw them into the cell, then yank them to the floor and, and chain their feet in the stocks and all that. They saw all that. But here were two men talking about how good God is. And at midnight, as they're doing all that, God just said, you know, I like what I see. Fellas, I'm going to give you something else to sing about. And God sent an earthquake, and it seems to have only affected the prison. 
just shook everything up. The prison doors popped open. And it was such a different earthquake, the shackles on their wrists fell off and the shackles at their feet kind of opened up. This is a supernatural work of God. Earthquakes were common in that part of the world, but none like this one. This was God reached in, reaching down. And the amazing thing is, when the earthquake is done and the ground stops shaking, the doors are open, the shackles are gone, not a single prisoner moved. They're all sitting there in their cells after that long night of hearing these two guys singing praise to their God. And now something amazing has happened and they don't understand the shackles open. They don't understand that nobody's been killed, nobody's been hurt. They didn't leave, they didn't run. They just sat there and looked at each other and went, Shazam. Some, it's, it's in there somewhere. The jailer himself woke up, dereliction of duty, he woke up, realized what happened. He assumed all the prisoners left. He got his sword out to end his life lest the authorities torture him publicly, maybe his family included. Paul sent and said, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. They're all sitting there. Why? Because they heard these guys singing praises instead of shouting curses. They heard them talking about how good God is instead of how awful Biden is. I just messed up some of your worlds, didn't I? They were singing praises to God. By the way, Nero was king. He makes Biden look nice. They're singing praises to God, and these men couldn't move. The, the jailer heard this. He called for a light. The Bible says he sprang in. The same guy that threw them in, he came running into the jail. I'm not going to try to do that because my springing would look more like face planting. He came springing into the jail and he fell at their feet. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want what you've got. Nobody is drawn to Christ by our complaining, by our criticizing, by our whining, by all of that stuff. But many shall see our praise. Amen. They'll hear that new song and they're going to trust in the Lord. They're going to be drawn to that. That's what the Bible says. God doesn't lie. The Bible's true in every point of time. I, I, I think it's of the Lord. We're not getting beyond one point today because if we need anything in 2023, we need God to put a new song in our mouth, which means I need God to do a new work in my life. Amen. I never need to get saved over again. Once you're done with that, it's forever. Amen? Amen. But I, I need to see God answer some more prayers. I need to see God use me again. I need to see somebody else get saved. I, I need to see God do a mighty work in our church. I need something new. I'm glad for 2022. Uh, I'm glad for the year before that. 2020, yeah, it's a little iffy. Um, by the way, in 2020, we all found God was good. We're still here. We saw, we've seen God meet our needs in spite of inflation. Uh, we're still eating. We still got heat. We're still getting around. Amen? We've still got a lot of reason to praise God. That is, that's all well and good for the past. I've heard about that. I've lived that. I, I, if I want a new song, I need a new work. That means I need a new commitment. I need a new yieldedness to let God do something in me so that I have a new song. I don't understand what's, what's been happening, but for two weeks straight, every single time I've walked into the gym, you knew it was coming. You knew it had to. 
Jim's story. Every single time. This week, I've been there six times. My trainer's on vacation. He trains elsewhere, and he's on vacation. So I've been over at my gym in Meriden, the same place, six times this week. I was over there five times last week, 11 times in two weeks. Every single time, at least one person has walked up to me. Somebody, only twice, it was twice yesterday, were young, young men that I know. One is, one is your friend. And then there was another young man who is a basketball coach and a, a teacher in a high school in Enfield that trains there. Um, uh, both of them came yesterday. But other than that, it's all people I've never met before. One was a young man from India named Kush, about 20-something years of age. I, I've never met him before. I'm working out, and all of a sudden, somebody's standing in front of me with their hand out. Not for me to put money in it. They're, they're holding their hand out to shake my hand. And Kush, for example, looked at me and said, I needed to come over and thank you for being here. I watch you, and he pointed, he said, it's obvious you've been through something. But here you are with a smile on your face. Here you are working out when most people will stay home for so little. He said, you are an inspiration to me. He's from India. He's of a Hindu background. Walking up to a Christian who to the best of my poor ability is trying to live Psalm 40 and verse 3 and not whine about any hardships I might think I face, but to walk into a place such as that with a heart that's just filled with gratitude for the goodness of God, and here's a young man from India that saw something different in me, and I'm not boasting. I didn't see him going around shaking anybody else's hand. Many shall see it. And show fear and trust in the Lord. Because see, ultimately, it's not about people being drawn to us. It's about being drawn to the one who gave us the new song. Amen. As we start this year out, this is a great crowd on a Sunday morning. Much of this, this is the family crowd. Can I encourage us to have a new dedication in our heart and spirit, a new, a new desire to say, God, I need a new song. It might be that you know you haven't had any song for a while or not a very good song. And you just say, God, I want to know what that's like again. Could you give me a new song? God, would you do a new work in me? I'm here. I'm giving to you, you to myself all over again, brand new. This is my new year. This is going to be the beginning of days for me, Exodus chapter 12. God, I need a new start and a new song. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, would you, would you know from the Bible, nobody's going to go to heaven because of church membership or good works. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Nobody's going to be saved, go to heaven because of anything good they did in and of themselves. Uh, helping people across the street, being a good husband, wife, parent, child, uh, uh, giving money, going to church. And, and those things are all fine. But for by grace here, you saved 
uh, through faith and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When I go to heaven, I won't go in there and say, yep, I was a good pastor, so I'm in heaven. Yep, I was a Baptist, so I'm in heaven. Yep, I carried a King James Bible, so I'm in heaven. Yep, I was incredibly handsome, so I'm in heaven. Isn't gonna happen because I'm a sinner and my only claim to fame is Jesus Christ saved me when I called upon the name of the Lord and I'm gonna go to heaven because of him. For many in this room, you know the time and place where that happened to you. If you're here today and you've never dealt with that, you need a new start and it starts with Jesus. In a moment, there'll be an invitation. I'm gonna invite you, if you're not sure you're saved, to come. Uh, uh, these fellows up on the platform will all be down here for a, a while and just slip out of your seat, front, back, middle, sides, and walk down the aisle like I did 50 years ago and say, I, will you sh show me how to be saved? If you're a lady, a lady will talk with you. If you're a man, a man will talk with you. Not showing you how to join this church or, being a Baptist, or be a Baptist, but how to know for sure you're going to spend eternity in heaven. That's the greatest start you'll ever get. That'll give you a song that never ends. But I'm talking to also the Christians in this room, and we've let the world gang up on our spirits, and it's time we reclaim some ground and got a new song. Would you bow your heads?